The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with best-selling author, speaker, and motivational coach, April Joy Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and single parent at 32. Through all of her trauma, she's gone from tragedy to triumph, and she'll help you do the same. Get empowered by taking a holistic approach. Now, here is your host, April Joy Ford. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode here on How to Rise Above Life Challenges with You Are Not Alone. I'm your host, April Joy Ford. And our episode this week is Heal Your Mind, Heal Your Life. And before I bring on my guests, I want you guys to take notes. I know for a lot of you guys are seasoned listeners out there globally. You guys know about the four-step process that I coach on the Breakthrough the Barriers. But quickly reviewing, first is to recognize the rubble since we're going to be talking about trauma today. Second, respond by creating a recovery plan. Three, reevaluate the plan. And fourth is to rebalance the relationships, not only in and around your circle, but also the relationship that you have with yourself. So if you are interested in the trauma-informed care and self-care that is now officially approved at the California State um, Department of Social Services, text the keyword trauma to 38470. We'd be happy to send you some information on that. So on our segment today, have you guys ever experienced pain that just won't go away, whether it's emotional, psychological, or even physical. So my guest, Dana Pfizer, will inform you on how our minds program our memories with our experiences. And more often than not, you know, sometimes it doesn't really serve us in the best way and our bodies tend to harbor pain. So Dana will share her survival story that she actually spoke on TEDx about trauma and transformative insight that she gained that really allowed her to harness the healing power of our subconscious mind. She is also an international motivational speaker, a hypnotherapist, and an author. She really specializes in trauma and disease and how the correlation Uh, between the two work and that's what we're going to dive deep into today we're also going to focus on how we're able to shift our consciousness and we'll get some practical tools and tips from her so welcome Dana to the you are not alone show how are you thank you so much I'm doing well thank you so much for having me Would you like to say hello to any of our global listeners out there? We've got Switzerland, Cambodia, France, Italy, Spain, Korea, Mexico, Egypt. (laughs) Do you have any friends out there? Yes, all of the above. I love it. I love (laughs) that it's a global reach. I actually have someone um, from Switzerland this week flying in to see me, so... I'll give them a shout out. (laughs) Yeah, Switzerland's on on the listening board with us. Great. Great to have you. So... 
for all of our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to know your story that you shared with uh, TEDx, you know, tell us how you became a hypnotherapist and literally by accident. Completely. Okay. So it's actually, it's a bit of an interesting story. Um, I came to hypnotherapy. It's, it's not as if I was born wanting to work in this more abstract world. Even nowadays that I've been doing this for a number of years, I still get the same reaction when I tell people I'm a hypnotist. It's still one of those reactions where people mm. scoff at you first and then they're curious, yeah. you know, why? Why would someone choose to have that be their profession? Um, so I came to it by a, a turn of events. It was a number of years ago, about six years ago now. I was nearly killed in a car accident, and I had to learn how to walk and talk again. I had to start over from scratch, you know, from, from zero point. And due to that, I developed very severe trauma, you know, post-traumatic stress, and and I knew something was wrong. So I went to seek out therapy because I knew I needed help and I needed help very quickly. And I, it was a really good thing that I, I had a little bit of knowledge about PTSD before I experienced it. And I knew that if I didn't really nip it in the bud uh, now, that mm-hmm. I would have some sort of um, repercussions in 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I knew that even... I could deal with it later. I could just get it out of the way somehow. I didn't know how to work with it, but I knew I had to somehow clean it, clean it up. Mm-hmm. So I went to see a, a therapist, and it was traditional talk therapy, and she was very nice, and I very much liked her, but unfortunately, my trauma was not getting any resolve. I was, not, I was still a traumatized individual, and nothing shifted. Um, and, and that really can be frustrating. That can be frustrating, right? I mean, for somebody who's going through, like yeah. I said, from you yeah. starting from scratch of Completely. going through the rehab of walking and talking. Yeah, it was very frustrating, and um, I was very young, too. You know, it basically took away my life for, I was 23 when it happened. So imagine feeling as if you're a baby again, you know, mm. as at the prime, quote-unquote, of your 20s to feel as if you're a baby again. So it definitely took away my independence, and that's what mostly created my trauma, was this feeling of out of control. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I met this woman who survived cancer, and she told me of a trauma therapist. And I said, okay, trauma is me, and I'm going to seek this out. And uh, my first conversation with this woman was her essentially telling me she's alternative, what are my thoughts? And I said, you know, anything, I'm open. And she said, I do hypnosis. So I said, anything and everything except for that. <laughs> Did yes. you think it was hocus pocus at that point? Of course, completely. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I had, first of all, I didn't know what it was at all, really. And then the slight impression I had of what it was was definitely that. It's, it's hocus pocus. Mm-hmm. So I, I was traumatized. I didn't want it. So after about seven sessions of just talk therapy and getting to know her and getting to connect to her, I found her very intelligent, very forward thinking, and I said, let's do this. And um, when we finally did it within the first session, I felt, I would say, 50% better. It was a very kind of dramatic shift, even within the first session. And then over the progression of about three months, my trauma was gone 
my anxiety was gone, my depression was gone. Very, very quickly, I had a full turnaround in my um, mental health. Wow. So you said within the first month, you were able to see these dramatic shifts in your well-being. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. In a short amount of time. Yes. So it started like that. I didn't think I'd be a hypnotist after that. Um, It didn't occur to me, and that's a bit of a longer story, but um, I had a very profound healing, so I started reading every little drop of information I could get on the subconscious mind. I became very intrigued by what happened to me because I also, I did know about PTSD beforehand, and I know that a lot of people with PTSD can suffer their whole lives from an instance, something that happened that's Mm -hmm. not happening anymore. The whole idea is when things happen in the past, it's not happening in this moment, which is something that you you mentioned that I really like, those four steps. It's it's, it's, um, recognition of the fact. And then, but once you recognize the fact that it's not happening, um, what are the tools in which you can use to kind of get back there, get in there, maneuver a little bit, and create more space in the brain to recognize that it's over and you're healthy now and, um, and all those things. Yeah. And before we dive really deep into the four steps on practical tools and tips, let's go back to... Um, maybe sharing with the audience who are hearing your story and maybe they're at a place where you once were on, okay, this does kind of sound like hocus pocus. What is hypnotherapy? How can you help them with some of their perceptions and beliefs? Sure. So hypnotherapy in and of itself um, is a really, really, it precedes psychotherapy, psychoanalysis in this, this whole world. And it's interesting because Freud uh, Sigmund Freud was a hypnotist, mm-hmm. and um, he actually did use a lot of hypnosis in his practice while he was developing psychoanalysis, but the basis of his work is hypnosis. It's a very, very old, old work, and it's actually seen a comeback now. Um, so really all it is is, you know, you relax the mind and body, and when you are in a certain state of relaxation, there's access to the subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind is where everything exists. Every Mm -hmm. single instance of your life, every single memory, every single emotion, thought, the fact that your blood flows without you thinking about it, all of your nature is back there. Your conscious mind is your analysis. It's the fact that you can put these puzzle pieces together. So in order to kind of have any type of profound behavioral shift, you have to go where that shift begins and where Mm -hmm. it originates. And that's in the subconscious mind. So however you get there, you know, hypnosis happens to be, in my opinion, one of the more profound tools to go in and work with, you know, our subconscious beliefs and thoughts. However you get there is good. Um, but the idea is, the key point I'd, I'd like to say with, when it work, with working with trauma is you have to work with the subconscious mind. You really, really do. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I mean, it's almost like that picture. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen the picture online of the iceberg where 90% exactly. is submerged down below. That's her subconscious mind and only the tip of the iceberg, whether it's 10 or 15, 20 is up above. But don't you think maybe people have this, um, uh, maybe it's fear of being vulnerable of, oh my gosh, she's tapping into yes. my mind and thoughts in my brain <laughs> when she does hypnotherapy on me. Yes, I get that a lot. So the resistance that I would see when people ask me questions and when they want to work with me is there is a fear, and that's completely 
I don't want to say the fear is valid, but for someone that doesn't know what it is, to be a skeptic, I think, is very healthy because I'm also an advocate of until you know, you just don't know. And mm-hmm. it's a healthy mm-hmm. thing to have a bit of skepticism um, if you don't know what it is. you know. And that's kind of one of my biggest advocacies is to educate people about this work because I, I do believe a lot of people are suffering needlessly. They don't have to be suffering, um, but they just don't know what kind of tools and resources that exist for them to have uh, a nice, an easy shift, you know, I was just um, with a client before this phone call and um, talking with you, and um, we were talking about the fact that, you know, depression and anxiety has to be, we were working on something else, you know, like more of a, a physical shift, but she's mm-hmm. like, you know, depression and anxiety is going to take a long, long time, she's like, I don't even want to go there, and I actually, I, I said, you know what, actually it's not, it, it's, it's, it's a similar process, and it can actually be alleviated very, very quickly. Uh, the same way you would work with, you know, a smoking addiction. Mm-hmm. A and so, mm-hmm. yeah, so a lot of people just don't know and are not aware of the fact that, yes, you're right, and that's an awesome metaphor where the ice is majority underneath the water and we only see surface level. And if you mm-hmm. can access the majority of that ice and bring that uh, up to surface level, it will just allow for a lot more clarity and a peace of mind, and it's it's a really a beautiful, subtle process. It's not scary at all, actually. Right. And I like that. I mean, you're a perfect living example that you actually went through this process, and you said you're really big yeah. on advocacy, on first educating people on it before, um, you know, having an experience to experience their own immediate yeah shifts and then having those long lasting results. So when we come back, we're going to dive deeper into um, how trauma and disease are correlated. So stay tuned after the break. More with Dana. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Have you experienced trauma or challenges in your life and are wondering what to do next? Get the clarity and direction you need to create the life you've always wanted. Awaken the courage and energy within you to discover who you're truly meant to be. Download the free ebook, You Are Not Alone, and get the survival guide to life's challenges at myjoyagain.com or text the keyword JOY to 38470. Create your blueprint to rise above life's challenges and discover the power inside you. Start smiling again, enjoying life, and feel empowered at myjoyagain.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone. 
how to rise above life's challenges. Welcome back. Our episode this week is Heal Your Mind and Heal Your Life with my guest, Dana. And just before the break, she actually shared her personal story of how she came into the profession of being a hypnotherapist. And literally, by accident, she was suffering um, a severe uh, car accident and she really had to rebuild and restart her life from ground zero or zero point of learning how to walk again and and talk again so uh, Dana share a little bit more about your story on how did that progress once you you know learned more about hypnotherapy and now you're practicing it as um, a hypnotherapist with your clients uh, before we dive deep deeper into how trauma and disease are correlated. Okay. So it's interesting. So after I had this profound shift in my healing, um, it was uh, fascinating to me. I didn't really, so when I was going to the healing with my therapist, I would leave literally every time I would leave um, a session with her, I would always say, I don't know what, and I would say the same thing that you would say, you know, hocus pocus or voodoo you're doing. I have no idea what you're doing. Just keep doing it because I feel better. And that was, at that moment, that's the extent of what I knew what was happening. I felt better and I felt better. And, and really, that's all I cared about. It was I was feeling back to myself. Afterwards, that wasn't enough. You know, I, I was became intrigued. So I became fascinated by my own experience and I started reading everything I could. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, over time... Um, I decided um, that I wanted to take a professional shift in what I was doing. Um, actually, it's interesting. Before, I used to work as a reporter in the media and producer, and um, so it was a very big shift to go from employed and kind of a mainstream job to this hypnotist. <laughs> yeah, that wow, has yeah. To, you know, shift. so not only am I... Learning, I had to learn a new skill, a whole new craft, a whole new trade, but then I had to um, open up a business as well following that, um, and that also had to happen blindly. So it was a big jump, and the only reason I took that jump is because I became so passionate about it. I, I did it blindly because I became so passionate about this that I, you couldn't tell me no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also had the feeling that I got a second chance in life. So I might as well live it with urgency and I might as well live it with every moment meaning something and, 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 and having a purpose. And right. so I, I find a lot of purpose in my, in my work now and I'm very, very thankful and grateful that I did that, took that, that jump. But uh, yeah, it was a big jump. Yeah, and I think so, one of the mm-hmm. beautiful outcomes of once you've overcome trauma or setback or major adversity, that it really um, shifts our perceptions and beliefs. Uh, it's like having a new lens on life. Like you said, for you, it was a career change, and I can totally relate to that story. I did a complete um, 180 career change myself, but it, we just come away knowing what life you know, what we were really here to do on earth, what our purpose is and how we can help and reach back and help others who were in the situation that we once were in. Completely. Completely. Yes. And uh, yeah, and that's where I find myself now. And it's interesting because although I never think about the accident anymore, it's completely neutral in my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. It's interesting because sometimes, so I specialize in trauma and and disease. And um, sometimes when I have... 
people that come in and see me that have been through these major car accidents or not even, you know, they, they, they have a fall and they get a little bit of a concussion. So the concussion led to, you know, different types of they're not sleeping, they're not eating, they're depressed, et cetera, when they come and see me. It's interesting because I feel a lot of empathy for them. I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're suffering. I, I, I can't believe they went through that. And it's interesting because I don't even relate it anymore to the fact that I went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it was a very big deal. You know, I nearly lost my life and I had to rebuild it. And although I remember that this happened, I sometimes get little reminders of feeling empathy for other people. And then I'm reminded about myself. I'm like, wow. And then it's, I, it's interesting because then I'll feel empathy for myself as well. But I do, I do kind of forget that the reason I ended up here was, um, was really um, the blessings that oftentimes do come from trauma. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the key markers or indicators uh, that we've talked about on the show is how can you tell you have personally healed through whatever situation that you're going through? And it's the example of the story that you just shared where, wow, you can be reminded of something that happened to you and you're not affected you know, by it or those emotions, those negative emotions are not surfacing back and bubbling up to cause a different um, action or reaction um, that it once did. So I think that's a, a very important indicator of, okay, I think I can tell when I've healed from a situation. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Do you find yeah. that mm-hmm. um, when clients come to you, you know, for one thing, yet as you work with them, you uncover maybe there's something really more to the root of the issue than they initially intended? And that's interesting. That's a great question. I, um, yeah, not often, not often. Typically, so that question can go a couple ways, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll say it like this. It's interesting because, so for example, I had someone come in for, people come in for all, I've seen every single type of thing, and one person came in for a very kind of interesting phobia where she could drive a car, but she couldn't be a passenger, and so, okay. the person. Oh, but is it like morning logical. sickness? Not morning sickness, but motion sickness? Did they have like some kind so, of. So, yeah. So she sickness? just had breakdowns every time she. She could not be a passenger. Every time she had anxiety, freaked out, starts crying, laughing, hysteria, the whole idea. But she could drive. So, my first instinct is logical. Was this woman in a car accident? No. She was not in a car accident. I'm like, okay, so where and how did this woman lose control that. It's now manifesting itself. It's now representing in this phobia. And that's how a lot of things kind of happen. A lot of people come to me, let's say, for weight loss. But what was the origin? Potentially some trauma or something. Or even sometimes the origin's mundane. It's not even so, you know, heavy or interesting as like a trauma that was a big mm-hmm. deal. It was more of a belief that was set somehow. And then okay. by doing the hypnosis, you get to the core belief. So that's even interesting sometimes as well. Like even sometimes people come in for depression and PTSD and, and we'll discuss a little bit about their life and stuff like that. And they're like, I know my depression started, you know, when I was five years old and I had an alcoholic father, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is the subconscious mind oftentimes is completely nothing at all like we think with the conscious mind would present itself to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it goes both ways. Sometimes there's something that, so like the woman with the phobia of the car seat, you know, it ended up, it had nothing to do with driving, nothing to do with anything like that. It happened to do with um, a big trauma she had 
that it's kind of a one and only time that something popped up that surprised me. And I was like, wow, I was not expecting to go there. And it was a, mm-hmm. a bit of a, a significant trauma. And that was correlated to her lack of control as a passenger. Oh, that was okay. the first, pretty much the only time, if you can kind of get where I'm going. But yeah, um, that was yeah. pretty much the only time where I was very much so shocked by what came up because it had no correlation. But majority of time, the more interesting thing is if someone comes in for me, you know, with depression or trauma or disease or whatever, they think that the origin is going to be traumatic when in reality, it's a very simple, mundane memory. That's the origin of the belief. So that's kind of the two ways it goes. But majority of time, it's like more mundane than people think it is. Yeah, and I I remember from your TED Talk, you really um, spent a little bit of time on on the story that you were sharing of how our minds really program our memories with an experience. Like, maybe it wasn't such a traumatic experience or event when you were five years old, but maybe it was just something minor at the time when you were 10 years old. But I think maybe it's our minds and bodies giving us little hints and clues that, hey, this isn't resolved yet. Can you listen to me and heal it? And then if you don't, it just keeps like reoccurring (laughs) into something bigger. Okay, so we were talking about when Dana was on TED Talk and she was sharing how our minds really program our memories with our experiences and going back to the story of how she was working on a couple examples with her clients that sometimes the memories that we have that's tied to our experiences, it may or may not be such a big traumatic event, like when something happened to you at five years old versus something minute at 10 years old, but our minds and bodies, since it's programmed mm-hmm. into ourselves with our experiences, it's kind of like it's reaching out for us to pay attention to finally address it, to heal before it continues on yeah. to um, create something bigger. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You know, I, I love the way you put that because it is really a, um, when it comes to any type of pain or, or illness, oftentimes, in the psyche, in the subconscious mind, it is more, it's like a look at me. It's like, look at me, look at me, pay attention to me, you know, something's <laughs> yeah. going wrong here, you know, and something's going wrong in order for you to pay attention. And so I find, so I specialize in autoimmune disease and chronic illness um, and chronic things. And I often find, for example, um, fibromyalgia or arthritis and stuff like that that the body is in a permanent state of fight fight or flight, a permanent state of tension, that if you can get into the origin of why the body is nervous, why is the body on edge? You know, what is going on in the mind that the muscles need to tense up, the nervous system needs to kind of send out erratic messages? What's the origin of that? It's just the same way I'd work with someone to quit cigarettes. It's really fascinating because if addictions have an origin, if behaviors have an origin, if emotional disturbances have an origin, then I've also discovered um, that physical issues also have an origin and can have an origin in emotional beginnings. So that's actually, you know, my biggest fascination is the mind-body connection. Yeah, and once I think it's a very um, systematic approach and it does work, I firmly believe in that when you get to the root 
of whatever the symptoms are coming up. What do you do next once you're able to pinpoint, okay, that trauma or this symptom is coming from X, Y, and Z? How do you reprogram uh, that part? Do you do NLP or other methods? Yes. So I do a lot of NLP. Um, I'm more so, I do both. I I do NLP within my hypnosis. I have certain colleagues that they do. They're very heavy NLP. I have other colleagues that don't do NLP any NLP period, um, I like to mix, but I'm, I'm more of a, you know, a hypnotist that uses NLP uh, within my hypnosis completely. So when we get to the origin, um, a lot of what it is is reframe of the belief mm-hmm. and renegotiating the feeling. And I find that the most relevant part um, of the experience is not the experience itself, it's how you felt in that right. experience. How you so How you it. felt in that mm-hmm. ex- Exactly. So that feeling basically sets up shop in the back of your mind. And if that feeling is never resolved, there can be other instances that have matched that feeling. So I, I like to call it survival patterns, patterns of survival. So we learn it as a kid, you know, the first time something bad happens to us. And in order for us to not experience that bad thing again, we create a little note in our mind. And in that note, it says, okay, if you avoid doing this, then you won't have that bad feeling again. Um, So that's that's the beginning of that survival pattern. Avoid this. But what happens time and time and time again is we have little instances that remind us of the origin of that first time we learned to take ourselves out of danger, and then that feeling just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So that feeling can, can have a couple ways of expressing itself. You know, stress has to find a way out of its body. So that feeling can either express itself through an addiction, it can express itself through, you know, um, finding its way into the body, like pain, or it can express itself as the actual emotion. Right, right. So it's like a, a trigger when you have... Yeah. Um, like you said, these patterns within you that's matching the frequency of that feeling, well, it's getting triggered, so yeah. we need to do something with that alert system in our body. Exactly. And, um, you know, the trigger is a good thing, or, or I, w- I don't want to say the trigger is a good thing. The trigger is the trigger. That's what's happening today. Mm-hmm. But the typically, the origin of the emotion is not a bad thing. It's there for our protection, but sometimes that protection is like um, an over-exaggerated experience in, that you're now having in your life that it's like, okay, relax. We don't need to be warned every day of our life that we're in danger when we're not. So you can quiet that down. You can quiet that mechanism down, therefore quieting all the external symptoms that correlate okay. to that mechanism. Alrighty. All right. Where did the time go? I think we're up for a commercial break and I didn't get to my original question, but I promise when we come back, we're going to talk about how trauma and disease are correlated. So meet us back after these messages. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Do you help those in trauma? Use the four steps in the Breakthrough the Barriers program. This trauma-informed care training will equip you with the four major effects of trauma. 
mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. Learn how to get replenished, recharged, and rebalanced for your own self-care to be able to continue to help others in your care. Text the keyword TRAUMA to 38470. This could also help you qualify for your CEUs. That's keyword TRAUMA to 38470. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. Welcome back, and let's go ahead and just dive into this question. I wanted to ask it at the last segment, but we had a phenomenal conversation with Dana. So, Dana, on this show, we really focus on taking a holistic approach when we're addressing trauma and adversity, because, you know, I'm sure you know in your profession, trauma really does affect our mind, body, souls, and emotion, and the only way to get through um, healing is to provide modalities that address those areas in our life. So explain to our listeners, how is trauma and disease uh, correlated? Awesome. Okay, completely. So... It's interesting because after my accident, um, I was obviously pretty banged up uh, physically and mentally, and I was, uh, all the doctors I was seeing were, were advocating putting me on very high dosage medication because I was in darkness. Um, and I knew something significant happened to me. So it's interesting because a lot of times when I work with people that are having some sort of, not just not feeling good, not feeling optimal, just feeling not well. Um, you know, our society now says first things first is let's pop a pill and, and get there. Mm-hmm. But um, because oftentimes, you know, people when they, they hear my story or they, they come see me, um, they're like, you know, I never had a, a big trauma. But in reality, I think sometimes it's worse when that's not the case because every human being has lived a certain life. Um, we've all had experiences. And I, I call them little paper cuts. So instead of having a big boom, okay, and now you can justify not feeling well, you've had little things that have happened to you over over time that you've never been able to effectively clear, Mm -hmm. and that has compiled over time to make you feel unwell. Well, how can people tell? Like, if you, maybe you don't have, like, your story or my story, I have had those big booms of childhood sexual abuse or becoming a widow, but what if somebody is listening and is like, oh, I can't relate to such extreme, what if it's, like, the little paper cuts that you said, but how can they recognize, oh, what if is the little things that are adding up? Completely. So, my thought process is the symptoms. So are you dealing with an addiction? You know, when you have an addiction, you are effectively trying to heal your paper cut. Mm-hmm. Are you overeating? Do you have an eating disorder? Any type of quote-unquote disorder or disease, I believe, uh, comes from these paper cuts. And if you can soothe over these paper cuts um, internally, if you can kind of heal the core emotions of what you're trying to heal externally by whatever behaviors you're having, 
then um, you don't necessarily have to cope with those external behavior, those internal feelings with the external behaviors anymore because you feel better. So all the external representations of not feeling well, a.k.a. addiction, uh, disease, um, any type of emotional unrest, mm-hmm. that's paper cut. So it's your symptoms. It's how you feel. If you don't feel well, you know, I remember when I was younger, um, I didn't feel well, and I was a kid, and it just didn't make sense for someone. So my story with the disease is uh, I've had chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia since I was a young girl, and that's a bit of a story. Um, And even I remember um, I had someone tell me one time that it was all in my head. I had a number of people, especially doctors, saying it's all in your head, you're depressed, it's all in my head. And I would tell them, you know, you need to be in my body because you don't have this pain. If you had this pain, you would tell me it's not all in your head, and I get very upset. Now I take a different approach. Um, I do believe it's in your head, but that doesn't negate the fact that you're feeling it in your body. So there's both things happening simultaneously, but a lot of what I have discovered is, yes, when you do have um, unease in your body, a lot of it can be from emotional overload and emotional experience because your body just does not know how to handle it. So it creates you know, anxiety and depression and, and nervousness. Um, so the correlation between disease and trauma is my really, really firm belief now is that a lot of diseases do have emotional origins or if you're genetically um, predispositioned, for example, to have high blood pressure. So let's say mm-hmm. we take person A and person B. And both people have the the genetics to have high blood pressure. But the difference is person A led a very, very stressful life and person B, not so much. And every single human being experiences stress, but person B for whatever reason, okay, so that's that. So person A and person B, although they're both genetically coded the same way, person A is way, way, way more likely to have his high blood pressure um, his high cholesterol come up either at a younger age or just come up in general. When person B, if they can obtain a certain lifestyle, even though they're genetically coded to have high cholesterol, it may never show up because it was never triggered. Oh, right. right. But by okay. life, by life circumstances. Mm-hmm. So if you can work within your life circumstances and if you can calm down your nervous system, so a lot of what's happening with a dysfunction in the body is when the nervous system gets overloaded, the immune system decides it needs to attack something. When the mm-hmm. immune system decides it needs to attack something, it'll create symptoms to tell you you're unwell, so you rest and so relax. You listen. Mm-hmm. And you listen. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but do you, do you think, um, since you deal with a lot of clients day in and day out, and from my observation of people that I work with, some people just they really have to hit rock bottom. I mean, it's sad to say that, but they have to hit rock bottom before they recognize all those little paper cut symptoms that you were mentioning of, are you really feeling well? Some people are even desensitized to what they're feeling or how they're supposed to feel. Like, oh, I'm just tired because I'm busy. 
like you're yes, tired all completely. the time. <laughs> That's not normal to be tired all the time. Yes, and it's a, an amazing point that you said because, yeah, a lot of people I know um, of all ages, you know, there's 12-year-olds to 72-year-olds that are feeling unwell and feeling just kind of off, but we've accepted that as a mm-hmm. society because we just feel like if we feel a little bit off, we'll take medication. And I'm not anti-medication at all. You know, I definitely feel like it's 100% serves a purpose. There's a place purpose. for it. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, so I don't negate any of that. But that being said, um, that feeling of being iffy and not feeling well and being off, mo- majority of us just kind of accept that we should feel like crap all day. Like, we just do. So it's interesting that you mentioned the rock bottom thing because most people don't find me. I'm not the first resource that people find. Um, mm-hmm. Nowadays, more and more, people will seek me out first thing. But majority of times, you know, I'll see people that have see- sought out therapy for 25 years for depression. They're at their wit's end and they hear about this kind of alternative way of working and then they find me. So I oftentimes yeah. I'm the last resource. So it's kind of like you, my, right? Mm-hmm. You, it was your story. Like you've tried oh, so many modalities and, and therapy sessions. And then finally somebody said, try this trauma therapist. And you're like, okay, we do anything but that. <laughs> that was like on the back. Yes. <laughs> Completely. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. And and that's why I, I don't blame people for having to hit rock bottom. I don't, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think, do I think it's a bad thing? Yes, for them because they don't feel well, but I understand it because, you know, people just don't know that this resource exists. And that's why it's my biggest advocacy and to be um, educating people about this resource because it does exist and it can be utilized and and you can feel well very quickly. You can really, really change things around and pretty quickly. You don't have to wait 25 years to feel better from depression. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just not necessary. Okay. So how can our listeners um, implement the four steps that I talked about at the beginning of the show? First, you know, you mentioned some of the symptoms, you know, recognize what your body and your feelings are telling you. But the second step is respond. What do they do next when they feel like, oh, yeah, I am a little off? Where do they go or what do they do? So I think that's a big deal is recognition that, yes, that something is off, um, and the willingness and openness to work with yourself or work with someone else. My big believer in subconscious healing um, is either time, you know, time, 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 a lot of time can pass. Um, You can even have a meditative practice where you kind of go within and sit with those feelings because Mm -hmm. feelings are sensations too. You know, they're just sensations. That's all they are in the body, and If you can feel happy in one moment and then sad literally the next moment, you can recognize that emotions are transient Mm -hmm. and they shift literally by the second. So if you can kind of have the mental power to realize that that's the experience you're having, um, then you can recognize there's something you can also do about it. So, yeah, recognition is a very, very big deal and also the recognition that emotions are just emotions thoughts are just thoughts we can be neutral towards them and we can work with them not Mm -hmm. against them and suffer in them 
All right. Okay. So the third step in the four step process is reevaluate the plan as you rebuild. I mean, literally for you, you were rebuilding your life. Um, what typically each case and each person and scenario is different, but typically what can people expect in just um, 30 days for you, you're able to see shifts, but is that practical for, you know, the, the rest of the population? Um, it's interesting. People, I get referred from psychologists all the time, you know, different doctors and stuff like that. And they, they ask me all the time, what are you doing? You know, because they, they don't like it. It's yeah. bizarre <laughs> for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't like yeah. it. They, um, it's bizarre to see such rapid change. I, even if I work with someone with PTSD, you know, very high depression or disease. I don't think, I don't majority, think it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I've seen results it's in not my so hard. Yeah. It's not so hard. Great. Yeah. And more people should know that. And more people really, really, really should know that there's the propensity to feel better and it doesn't have to take years. Um, majority of people I see, I see them for two months. That's it. Oh, wow. Um, that's yeah, that's it. So, I mean, if it's a very extreme case of illness, maybe three months. Or maybe I'll see them on a continual basis just because, you know, they, they, they need maintenance. But that's yeah, it. Yeah, we all do. And, um, of course, 100%. And we're all going through things all the time. But, yeah, the majority of work, the unloading of the subconscious kind of burdens can be done very quickly. And I always say that healing is a journey. You know, if you, can, if, you cannot, um, if you can kind of separate from the fact that you might not feel so well in, your bit, in that suffering um, period, to allow yourself to really experience the journey of the healing, it becomes more um, like you're, you're observing it rather than being in it. Mm, okay. Okay. So the last step is to rebalance, and this deals with relationships, you know, in Mm -hmm. your life, personal life, work life, um, creating a healthy support environment and network. But most importantly, what I tell and coach people, it's really the relationship starts with you first. What mindset Mm -hmm. and thought process that's positive and progressive with yourself? Like you, you talked about you know, having those personal beliefs and stories. I mean, do you dive deep into that once you're able to uncover um, somebody's subconscious on some of the stories they've been telling themselves in their own mindset? Completely. So after every session, I always tell people, okay, so now your homework is to be aware. Be aware and be conscious of if you feel different mentally, physically, emotionally, and just kind of take note on if there's a shift. You know, sometimes shifts are dramatic and sometimes they're subtle Mm -hmm. but also you know there is the component of real life finding yourself back into family situations that might be abusive finding yourself back into uh, a work environment that is you know shutting you down so Mm -hmm. that is the external components but what's interesting is for example let's say some uh there's a woman in a manipulative relationship if the woman is feeling better internally and, and kind of finding her feet and feeling stronger and a little bit more confident, she might not be susceptible to that manipulative relationship anymore. So although she goes home to that manipulation, the person that's manipulating might have to change because this mm-hmm. woman or man, whoever, is not being receptive anymore to yeah. that behavior. You know what I'm going with? Yeah, they're not... Like you said, being receptive or even being responsive to exactly. that environment. Yeah. So then yeah. that person 
is going to have to change because all that manipulated person is looking for is a response, a reaction. Not and they're simply it. not getting it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this yeah. person's internal world is healing, and by default, their external world has to shift with it. Absolutely. Totally, completely agree with that. So what would you say, you know, what are some practical things that you can suggest um, to be able to shift our conscious and really peel away the layers of healing without having, you know, a psychotherapist or hypnotherapist at our disposal? Like, what are some everyday practical things we can do on our end? So I'll tell you what, there is an amazing resource online um, that you can tap into every day. So it, it might not do, you know, the deeper level, getting in there, kind of uprooting the mm-hmm. negative subconscious beliefs. But if you go to YouTube, there's a lot of beautiful meditations, a lot of um, hypnotherapy guided meditations that you can literally type in, um, you know, hypnosis for anxiety or hypnosis to fall asleep or hypnosis for depression, hypnosis mm-hmm. for confidence. And they will, if you listen to them, even if you do just that, that's the only thing you do, and you listen to, let's say, you pick a hypnosis for confidence, and let's say it's a 10-minute recording, 20-minute recording, if you listen to that for 30 days, I can guarantee you, you will feel better. Yeah, it's even like the, mm-hmm, I've done sound healing. I think it's similar to what you're saying, like sound therapy, brainwave entrainment. I love it. Um, love yeah. Binaural beats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's so, a yeah, good suggestion. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of um, MP3s. I have some myself, um, not on YouTube right now, but um, there's a lot of MP3s that have that extra layer of binaural beats, and that's even double the goodness. Oh, okay. okay yeah, I'm writing this down, too, can, for myself. You can find that, too. <laughs> Yeah, go yeah. for it, girl. It's really cool. It's really good. And again, you know, it's, it's a free resource that, um, you know, it, it's very, very helpful and it's there and you can literally just type in whatever's happening in the moment. You just type it in and then give yourself a, a number of days and, and you will feel better. Mm-hmm. What are some other practical homework per se, like what you gave to your clients of, okay, your homework now is to really be aware and recognize the differences, whether it's a, sh- a subtle shift or a major dramatic shift in your feelings, your emotions, your physical tendencies. Um, would you say, what about journaling? Are you big on journaling? It's so funny. Um, I believe in journaling. I do. Um, I am just lazy myself, I guess. And I'm just going to put it out there and be Well, thank honest. you for your transparency. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to put it out there and be honest. Um, yeah. I don't journal. I do. The only people I ever recommend to journal are the people that I'm, I'm doing uh, eating issues, like weight loss and, you know, eating oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. And, and more of the journaling is, am I eating because I'm happy? Am I eating because I'm hungry? Am I eating because I'm sad? And what mm-hmm. am I eating due to this emotion? That's mm-hmm. the journaling that I do just for recognition of why we're eating to kind of clear that out. But um, I think journaling is a great tool completely. I just don't typically recommend it. And a lot of the work I do, it's like it's done. By the time we leave the office, it's done. So Wow. So what do your clients typically do at the end of maybe this series of six sessions at the end of each one? Um, What would be their maintenance homework for the, you know, in between the next sessions? 
So sometimes I give them homework depending on the issue. Um, there's something I do called Psych K, which is kind of another hypnotic tool, which I really, really like, um, where you kind of you sit in this position and the position activates your whole brain. So it's um, both the left side and the right side of your brain are activated uh, while you're sitting in this certain position. And then when you do that, um, there's a certain specifically catered to you affirmation that you say in your mind over and over and over. Oh, like, yeah. You feel a physical. You're familiar with this? Yeah, I've done I've done something similar. I just didn't know it was named. Um, but did yes. you say Psyche? It might have a different name, just affirmations and, yeah. Yes. So, but affirmations in your subconscious, it's very, very different because you can say a thousand, five thousand affirmations a day consciously and they're not going to have even a five percent, in my opinion, a five percent um, influence if it doesn't mm-hmm. go in your subconscious. So, Absolutely. if you do it this way, yeah, if you can get these affirmations kind of programmed into your subconscious, then that kind of homework I would give, um, more like psych like work. Um, but really, majority of time, I, I don't give much homework. I just, um, the only homework is to be aware and to tap into your feelings and then to report back um, because every, every session we do another fluid piece just really according to what the next piece of the puzzle is for that person. Awesome. Again, I don't know where time went. We're having such a wonderful conversation with Dana. Dana, tell our listeners in closing um, what's on the horizon for you and how they can find more about your work. Beautiful. Okay. So I give a lot of lectures, and I, those lectures uh, end up online, um, and sometimes the lectures are virtual. Um, if they want to reach out to me for personal work, that's also perfectly fine. Sometimes there's a bit of a wait, but I do tend to get back to people that would like it. Um, and if not, I can refer out to a colleague. Um, and you can come to my website. That's www.danapeicher.com. And my name is spelled D-A-N-N-A-P-Y-C-H-E-R.com. That's danapeicher.com. And also I'm beginning to do... Um, group treatments for weight loss and chronic illness that are kind of more generic, but um, to have a bit of support forums, uh, all with the hypnotic work basically once a week. So look out for that. And um, yeah, follow me on Facebook, all that good stuff. Alrighty, everybody, I hope that you took some great notes with our segment today on Heal Your Mind and Heal Your Life, that we've instilled some information and gave you some practical tools and tips to be inspired, I should say. And I am April Joy Ford here on Voice America. Make sure you tune in next week for another episode on You Are Not Alone. appreciate you joining us this week for you are not alone each listener is a life and each life matters please tune in for another edition with host april joy ford next tuesday at 7 p.m eastern time 4 p.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel